anytime I tried to collaborate with anybody, nobody took me seriously. I was literally that ex-convict turned entrepreneur afterthought that nobody gave the time of day to. And I was pissed. I get it. Everybody judges people like we're literally hardwired that way. All right, I get it. But I wasn't going to let that judgment keep me in this box. Dude, I was like, I'm not this. Like, I'm breaking out. And so out of that pain and frustration, I decided to launch the Underdog Empowerment Podcast. Nice. And third day became a top-rated podcaster. And then the next week had Billy Gina's marketing on the show. You are now entering a new paradigm. So here is my issue. I wanted to find the answers to life's biggest questions. Things like, how do I become happy and live with purpose? How do I make more money doing what I love? And what does it mean to be truly successful in all areas of life? My name is Josh Forty, at Josh Forty on Instagram, and I ask life's biggest questions and share the answers with you. My goal is to help you find purpose, happiness, and open your mind to new realms of possibility by helping you think differently about everything you do, know, and understand. On this podcast, we think different, we dream bigger, and we live in a world without limits. This is a new paradigm. Welcome to the Think Different Theory. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Think Different Theory. My name is Josh Forty, and uh, today has just been um, an interesting day for me here today. Um, a very, very busy day, lots of meetings, lots of stuff, getting ready to leave, uh, travel here up in the next month or so, um, but just rock and rolling. But then I, uh, I went to bed last night, and when I go to bed, I always check my calendar for the next day. And I get to see all any of the meetings or the interviews or whatnot that I have. And I looked at my calendar and I was like, oh, oh, the Zachary uh, <laughs> podcast episode is today. Uh, we, we batch out our content, as you guys know. We do like three or four or five episodes at a time when we record them, especially when we do interviews. Typically, our interviews take place on Tuesdays and Fridays. And so we'll batch it all out. So we had a bunch. But Zachary, my next guest, Zachary Babcock, we're about to bring him on here. Um, or I guess he's on if you're watching the video version of it. But uh, we did an interview already, and he was one of like three or four people that we did, and the files got corrupted. And normally it's like, oh man, I got to go and like hit him up again and like ask him to come back on or whatever. But I actually, he was super cool about it, number one. And number two, I feel like this is going to be a better interview. And the only reason I say that is because like we've gotten to know each other even better uh, during, like, during this time. And I also found out during this time that uh, he's a Rams fan. So, <laughs> so we're, we're about to do that, but I want to bring onto the show the, the underdog, the underdog and the host of the underdog empowerment, the guy who's got, how many felonies you got, dude? How, uh, six, it's a, felonies. Six, six felonies. It sounds worse than it is, but uh, has turned his life around and is really like just a dude that doesn't give up and a dude that's going to just make you feel like you're just not working hard enough and, and bring it back. And so Zachary, welcome back to the show. Appreciate you coming on, my man. Dude, thanks for having me. And you totally beat me to the to the Rams Patriots little, uh, yeah. Let's start with that, bro. All right. First off, I'm going to do it because I'm a Patriots fan. Ha! All right. <laughs> but also, that was a crazy game, man. Man, I tell you what, dude, as much – I don't hate Tom Brady like everybody else in the world does just because he wins. I actually respect him, and I love that about him. I hate him because he beat my Rams twice, once when I was 12 <laughs> years old and once just recently. In the everybody told me it was going to be um, – so I was down in Miami um, during the, the game. So my birthday is February 1st. 
So every now and then the Super Bowl falls on my birthday, which is just awesome. My, oh, by the way, my 21st birthday, the Patriots won their fourth Super Bowl. My, my oh, 21st wow. birthday was amazing. But all that being said, I was down in Miami and everybody told me they're like, full circle, uh, golf is coming in, young quarterback, young, uh, you know, young coach. They're going to beat Tom Brady. The torch is going to be handed over. It's the new era. And that was the thing I just kept hearing over and over. And I will tell you, until the last quarter of that game, I was stressed, dude. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a crazy game, man. It was, dude. Uh, yeah, you guys definitely outcoached. Belichick outcoached the hell out of McVay on that game for sure. He, he really did. But, uh, I mean, that's Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for you. But wh- I got to ask, yeah. why, why are you a Rams fan? Like, Were you a St. Louis Rams fan? Or are you a Rams fan now that they're in L.A.? Or how did that come about? Yeah, man. So I'm from St. Louis. Uh, the year I started watching football, I was 11 years old in 1999. They won the Super Bowl and became the greatest show on turf. And they've been my favorite team ever since. And then when I was in prison, I got them tattooed on me in 2009. Now, if you remember, in 2009, they were dead in the middle of a 13-year horrible, horrible, no playoffs, like four-win seasons, terrible drought. And I still got them tattooed on me. Then they moved from St. Louis in, in 2016, and everybody, pretty much everybody in St. Louis abandoned them, but not me. That's my, this is my team, you know? I'm going to ride with them no matter what. That's awesome, man. And I respect that. I really do. Right and I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan, so I, I will say rooting for the Patriots has been pretty easy my whole life. But uh, <laughs> I'm also a Lakers fan, Los Angeles Lakers, and we kind of suck right now. So I'm not, a, I'm not a bandwagoner. When Tom Brady leaves, I will be heartbroken, but uh, I'll still be a Patriots <laughs> fan, so... As long as they got Belichick, they'll be okay. It, it is going to suck to lose Tom Brady, the, the GOAT, but I think they'll be all right with Hunter Belichick. I think so. I, well, do you think that, uh, that Tom Brady is going to get his seventh ring? Probably so. He's probably going to get it this year. You think so? You think they're going to go back to back to back? Dude, I think he's going to do some really epic stuff. As much as I don't want it to happen and I want the Rams to win it, I, I think uh, the only threat he has is uh, Kansas City. And yeah. I, and when, but when it comes to the big games, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think he's – I think he's gonna hold it down just like he's always have, and I think because uh, I mean Steelers are they're they're not even a threat anymore. They're zero and three, and that's the thing. Uh, I was at the the Chiefs game last year, Chiefs Patriots AFC Championship game. Um, got ridiculed for being a Patriots fan, of course, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I I hope that this year that it's the Chiefs and uh, Patriots again. I do. I want it to be a good game. I want there to be some challenges, but I want it to be in New England this time. Uh, yeah. Because since it was in the Chiefs last year, I think it would only be fair if it went back. But now that we're talking about this, I have to ask you predictions for the Super Bowl. Who do we think is going to be in it? I think it's going to be a rematch. You think <laughs> so? Rams and Patriots. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm riding with my team to the death. But unfortunately, man, it's I mean, if I was the you know what? No, you know what? I'm going I'm to stick with them. I'm going to ride with my team. I'm going to I'm going to bet with them, even though. It's kind of hard. It's like, damn, dude. It's like, because I'm never like this. I'm always 100% on one way. You know what I'm saying? All, right, all, right. Yeah. But we're talking about going up against the GOAT. But you know what, dude? I'm riding with my team, dude. I'm, I'm going I'm to ride, right. ride it out. Rams right. over Patriots. Another, it's going to be like 17 to 14 Rams. Oh, that would be fitting considering it was 17 to 14 when the Giants beat the Patriots. Ugh, a terrible game. <laughs> but the worst day of my life. Um, but all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to say that it's the Cowboys versus the Rams in the NFC championship. Um, the Packers may pull it together and and make it to the NFC championship, but I think like Dallas looks good. Um, I hope it's Dallas. My, my dream for the Super Bowl and my prediction, which doesn't always come true. I'm going to say it's Dallas, New England, 
in the Super Bowl. I think that Dallas Dallas edges the Rams in the NFC Championship game on like uh, a Dak Prescott play or a blown cover, some something stupid, right? Like it's going to be a close game, and it's going to be something stupid. It'll probably be controversial because it's the Cowboys, right? <sighs> um, and uh, that they'll make it in. That's my prediction. And of course. I never, ever, ever, ever bet against Tom Brady ever. Like it, they we're down yeah. 28 to three in the Super Bowl. All right. <laughs> like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to bet against that anymore. So Patriots win seventh one, but it's hard to bet against the dude, man. I ain't going to lie. It really he's is just a winner. dude. He's yeah. Just a winner. He's the greatest of all time. I give it to him. 100%. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into this, man. I, this is going to be a good, good, good episode. Um, we gave the hook, man. You're a six time felon, right? Or five time felon, whatever it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're an awesome dude, and I, and I love watching your stuff. Um, I will say, when when the Rams pulled out, the Rams just won. Um, what it was on Sunday night they played right against the Browns. Uh, yeah. I logged into Facebook just to see if you were going to post something, and you let me down. I was very disappointed there. But uh, I follow your stuff, and um, <laughs> you, you got some good stuff. And dude, I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing something right. You're booking some really awesome, like big big names. You got Brad Lee. You had. Um, uh, Ty Lopez's business partner, Alex, who I'm, I can't wait for that episode. I'm looking forward for that one coming out. Um, give us a little bit of your backstory though, because you've clearly turned your life around. You're doing some awesome things with the podcast. How did you kind of get to this point? And what's, what's a little bit of your history and like, you know, a five minute recap of you? Right on, bro. I'll, I'll definitely keep it short and sweet. Real quick though. That's weird. That's, that's it's strange because last week was the first time I didn't post after a Rams game, win or lose, I know. I know. in over a year, bro. And like it was late though. I had the kids. Wife was in Vegas, and I yeah, but that was I totally dropped the ball. So I I totally apologize. Don't ever drop the ball again, bro. Again, it would be unforgivable. <laughs> but uh, yeah, dude. Uh, made a bunch of mistakes growing up. You know, I, I, I grew up wanting to fit in with, uh, with the cool kids didn't have a father figure and did things that were out of my character in order to fit in that went against my morals and values and all that. And it was just, uh, you know, I, I didn't really, it was totally my decisions. Well, by the time I was 19, I landed myself in prison, did over four years flat, uh, just for being a knucklehead doing a bunch of stupid stuff when I was 17 years old. And I got out when I was 23, completely different world. Like, yeah, man, the world changes a lot in four years. And um, I stayed out for about two years, but then I went back because I had gotten a DWI after I gotten fired from a job from getting a promotion for being their best salesman. And then I got fired two days later because they found out I was a convicted felon. Uh, instead of instead of searching for all the right answers, I chose to throw a pity party and uh, and I became an alcoholic and went back to prison 20 days before my twin sons were born. And that was the defining moment that was the proverbial uh, mm. straw that broke the camel's back. And ever since then, been moving in a completely different direction. And just to clarify for the listeners, uh, the offenses were not like crazy, evil, murdered someone. <laughs> what, what were the, the charges? Yeah, so uh, the six different, the, the worst one was burglary first. And that's where we were driving around. We caught four in one night being idiots, but uh, 17, we were driving around and we were stealing out of cars that were left unlocked and uh, cars that left their garage doors open, uh, opener in, the, in, the, in their cars. We would open it and then we'd drive off for 20 minutes, come back. If it was still open, we'd go and you know, steal the power tools or whatever else. Just being idiots. We didn't even need the stuff. We were just bored. And um, so that was the worst was burglary first. And then I have uh, stealing a motor vehicle, uh, two counts of stealing over 500. And then uh, right before I went to prison, because I got those four charges uh, right before I went to prison, after I went deep down off a, uh, into a dark path of drugs and alcohol or whatnot, 
I had uh, gotten assault on law enforcement, escaped from custody. It sounds crazy, uh, but I was really just dope sick from heroin trying to escape because uh, I knew I was going to go do some prison time. Got it. Got it. So, dude, so, you know, Ryan Stuman, you, he had, you had him on the podcast too. And I talked to him about uh, the prison time that he's done and he and I become pretty good friends, you know, about everything. Everybody that I talk to about prison, I feel like one of two things happens. You either go in there and you hate the world, right? Well, you probably hate the world when you go in there regardless, but you either come out and you haven't changed. It's a problem. You hate the world. You're even more jacked up. You're going to do more bad stuff. And you know, you don't learn your lesson, right? Or it is a place of, uh, you do you like, you do actually take the time to, to learn and to change your life around and you have time in there to think. And obviously we, like, we know it is a choice. It's personal responsibility. And like, that's ultimately what leads to that. But how did you, and I know it took you twice, but like, what was the defining moment for you or, or, or the thing that was like, all right, I, I know it was your, you know, your twin sons being born, but like what changed inside of you? And like, how did you go and say, all right, I'm going to get off the drugs. I'm going to cut out being an alcoholic. I'm going to stop being this criminal, right? Essentially, or, or like doing dumb stuff. Uh, and I'm actually going to turn my life around and do it. How, how old are you now? Uh, 31. I'll be 31 in a few days. Wow. So ha happy birthday or early. Um, but, uh, or, you know, by the time this is out, I'm sure it'll be your birthday. So happy birthday. <laughs> um, but, uh, like what, what decision needs to be made and how does one make that decision to go and do that? Really, really great question. And, um, you know, it's, it's crazy. Cause like I discovered that I, I, I came upon this in that moment. But later on, you know, at the time when I made this decision, I didn't know anything about self-help books or personal development. Uh, but later on, reading those types of books, I discovered what actually happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it, it really came down to, man, is I wanted to be the father that I didn't have growing up my whole life. That's like one thing that I really, really wanted. And then when I went back to prison, um, you know, I no longer was doing drugs at this point, but I was drinking heavily. I was, dude, uh, way out there as far as as soon as I woke up at like 10 in the morning because I was obliterated the night before I'd start smashing beer all night long to about three in the morning or 12. Um, and and so going back to prison just 20 days before my sons were born, dude, that was that was painful, dude. And I was like, dude, I can't. It, it was like I felt big enough to sit on a penny and swing my feet from it. Like that's how mm. that's how low I felt. And so I knew right there up until that moment, I used to blame everybody and anything uh, besides myself or anything that ever went wrong in my life. And I knew and I sat there and I said, dude, if I keep on doing what I'm doing right now, I'm either going to be in in and out of prison my entire life or I'm going to end up dead like my sister or I'm I'm going to I'm going to be in there for the rest of my life, not even in and out. Uh, I won't be free and in my kid's life. And if I do that, I'm going to miss out on that. And And that's that was so painful to me to think about. So in that moment, I knew that I had to take responsibility for everything right and wrong in my life and take for literally everything. And, 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 you know, I won't make this a long winded answer, but you know, there's things that certain things that you can't control in your life, but you can yeah. always control how you respond to that. And I yeah. knew that moving forward, I had to make that decision. So from a, um, so I would say that probably most of our listeners, and I, I don't know who, who all listens, obviously, but I would say most of our listeners probably, you know, don't have quite the, the path that you have to, you know, to this, not maybe not going to jail and, and everything like that. I mean, I've been to jail for 
12 hours so it doesn't really compare it's not prison hard time <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I did my hard times <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was for you know just being an idiot on a motorcycle so um but like probably the single biggest thing that i preach and it's you know got a lot of people to hate me at times is personal responsibility right 100%. Uh, one of the episodes that I have, one of the first episodes was everything is your fault. That's the name of it. And, um, you know, if, if it happened in your life, like, you know, you might not have known the consequence that was going to come, but you know, the fact that you chose to go to Walmart at 10 o'clock at night when there happened to be a gunman there, right? Like, I mean, and obviously an extreme example, like, yeah, it was your fault, but no, like, but you did make the decision, right? So like you can blame other people, but ultimately your choices, whether you realize them or not, like do affect your life. Right. And so, um, and you can do everything right and still have hard times fall upon you, but it's your you know responsibility to come out of that. Um, I think it's easy sometimes for us to look at someone like you and be like, dang, dude, you have an incredible story. There's no way I could have done that. Whatever, man. Like, or man, dude, if I was in prison, that's totally how I would act. Right. I, I would get my life together if I was in that place and turn it around. But like, they don't do it in their everyday life. And mm. so like, Talk to me about like what you see and maybe like what you've learned um, of what it's like, like taking personal responsibility in your day to day life. And I know, I know you've worked with people, you coach some people with some, you know, the podcasting stuff. And I'm sure you've been around a lot of people that don't take responsibility for their life. Like, what's your advice for that person that like they might not even know what it means to take personal responsibility for their life or they are always complaining and they're like, well, this isn't my fault or this is my fault or, you know, my business partner screwed me over and that's why I'm broke. Like, what's your advice to them from someone that like, I know your story probably a little bit more than, you know, we have time to go into just because we've you know gone on it before. But like, what's your advice to that person that is blaming or that that does doesn't want to take personal responsibility for their life? Yeah, dude. Uh, it's funny, man. I, I literally just made a Facebook post about this yesterday. I don't remember exact words I said, but I said, uh, uh, no matter how you look at it, privileged or underprivileged, if you blame anybody or anything other than yourself for not being where you want to be in life, you're a weak-minded little and quit being one. Uh, there's nothing that can hold you back except for you. Um, and that's true. And it's in any case, dude, like literally... Dude, when I came out of prison, dude, I couldn't get a job anywhere to support my family. Uh, you put me up against anybody that doesn't have a convicted felony record, they're getting a job before me. Now, granted, I did that to myself 110%. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying I didn't. But I, what I'm saying is, at this, at this point moving forward for the rest of my life, I'm underprivileged in that category. Okay? Yeah. Mm. Who cares, though? That didn't stop me. And, 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 and there's plenty more examples of people that were, quote, unquote, underprivileged. You got to look at it like this way, man. You got to flip that around and understand that being underprivileged is really a privilege because you want it better than anybody else, period. You'll work harder than anybody. If everybody has something given to them their whole entire life, they're not going to outwork you. They don't want it as bad as you. They're not, they're not going to, they don't have the discipline to put, to push through the pain, but it's going to want it handed to them. So you got to, you got to flip it around and, and look at being like if, if something so does happen that works against your favor, you got to look at it like, actually, this is working in my favor. Nothing happens to me. I hate this. It's a cliche, but it's so true. It, nothing happens to you. It happens for you, man. Yeah. That's what I would say to those type of people. So like, let's talk about like that, that, that whole concept of, and I want to focus a little bit on convicted felons here and I'm going to, we'll tie this around to the average everyday person. Um, 
you obviously have gone through a lot of crap in your life and everybody has their own story, right? Like I've gone through my own version of, of hurt and, and, and figuring my life out, but like clearly, you know, you've been to jail or, you know, to prison and you've, if you've gone through this, you get out, like we are broken people, right? And so wherever, like you chose to get out of prison, take personal responsibility for your life, hustle your face off, turn your life around, blah, blah, you know, all that stuff. But anytime you put time and energy in one place, and for me, I did the same thing, like hustled my face off, you're sacrificing something else, right? Mm -hmm. So you're sacrificing time with your wife or your girlfriend, you're sacrificing time with your kids or with your family or whatever, right? Like there's always a sacrifice that needs to be made. And there's times to make sacrifices and there's times to not. But some people are more broken and more messed up than others. Now, I don't know how messed up you were. It sounds like, you know, maybe there was quite a bit of you know, stuff that you had to fix and go through. Um, I've always said that entrepreneurship is the greatest personal development lesson that you can possibly go through, right? Like, mm. it, it's like this craziness of like, if you want to make millions of dollars or even just lead a team or, or have a business of any sort, like you've got to get really raw and vulnerable with yourself at, at some point. But like, you know, a lot of people get out of prison and there is an excuse that's like, hey, like I'm a felon. I can't get a job. I'm a felon. I can't do that. And like, is that a legitimate excuse at all for anybody? Like it, it and I, like, I tend to agree with you. Like, hey, personal responsibility, take responsibility for it. You kill it. But are there exceptions to that in mass quantities? Obviously, there's always a little bit. But like, is it truly, has the system really made it really, really difficult for convicted felons that get out of jail to be normalized back into society? Without a doubt, it's uh, ten times. I mean, dude, I don't, I can't even quantify it. It's really, really hard when you when you do that, and you and you you also got to understand that you did it to yourself, okay? But right. yeah, once you're in that position, you're in a hole, a big hole, mm -hmm. and it's very hard coming out of prison. So, I'm not saying it's not hard. However, um, if it's still, it, it can't stop you if you want it bad enough. It still comes down to personal responsibility. How bad do you want? I mean, literally, if you want something bad enough and you believe in it and you will work your face off for it, mm. there's literally nothing in the world that can stop you from getting it. Like, and there's, and, there, and you can look throughout history of countless examples that more than I, than I even know of. Mm. Do you think that we as a society, and this is more, much more of a political question or, or a social issue question, maybe more than like personal opinion uh, type thing? Because I, I think you and I agree 100% on personal responsibility, and we're going to get into that more. But do you think that we as a society need to do a better job of helping felons that really do want to turn their life around when they get out of prison, like normalize back into society? Or is it like, hey, like put yourself there, figure it out? 100%. So like, I, when, when are you going to? plug this but it, i mean it goes right into Go for it, yeah right into the question dude so that's what what i do right now is like i hire convicted felons not all convicted felons but the ones that were like me that were ready to to get to turn their life around and um the reason why is because if you look at the recidivism rate nationwide in the u.s it's it's retarded and and there there's clearly something that's not working so it's, you could either be like, oh, it's just people are screwed once they get to that point and they can't change, but that's not true. Um, so the, the system, having gone through it myself uh, and, and being in it, like the resources that are offered are complete bullshit, dude. Like they are. Like the, the people that come in when you're even in prison that you have to go through the classes, it's retarded. It doesn't help. It, and you can't relate to those people coming in, you know, being in your position. Right. And then the resources afterwards, when you get out, 
dude, it actually makes it harder for you to succeed because you have to go through all these stupid classes that aren't even helping, dude. Mm. And it's not even, it's not even valuable at all. They're like, there's no value added in there. And it takes away from the time that you have to get a job and to provide for your family. And you don't even have transportation to get to all these classes. And on top of that, you can't even get a job in most places anyways coming out. Now, I'm not sitting here whining or complaining because you totally put yourself in that position. I get that. Right. Mm. But but there could be a better solution. So, yeah, man. And that's what that's what I, I'm doing is where I hire convicted felons, ones that really want to change their life. Because let's face it, most people coming out of prison aren't ready to change their life around. So they right. got to be ready. And the ones that are, boom, they get a job and they start learning digital marketing and entrepreneurship. And then for the guy and for the guys that are ready to be entrepreneurs, boom, they could hop out of the nest and go do their own thing uh, really quickly. They won't need our help for long. And for the guys that aren't cut out to be entrepreneurs, because not everybody is, they can continue to work for us and get a pay raise and they have some stability. On top of that, they have to go through this program where it, it, like we assign personal development books, stuff that's going to actually work on their character and work on themselves and develop themselves as they you know, have a job and are able to provide for their families at the same time. So they're growing as a person and are able to provide for their family, all that, man. So the goal with that is a really crazy, crazy goal. Uh, but, you know, hey, the ones that are like Steve Jobs says, the ones that are crazy enough to believe they could change the world do to get a 9% or lower recidivism rate nationwide is the goal. Uh, and Missouri alone was like a 47 recidivism rate back in 2016 off of the uh, things that are released on the internet if you Google it. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's crazy. But uh, there's a lot of work to do, but hey, that makes it more exciting. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, congratulations, and and that's an awesome goal. Um, what would and this is the last question I have specifically on this topic, but like, if you could, you know, snap your fingers or instantly implement something where it was like, hey, what like what's one thing that you would fix or change about the prison uh, system? that you think would severely impact for the positive, uh, you know, the way people go in and out or come out, like that would really, really help promote change in there. As soon as you get convicted and do your time, it's wiped clean off your record. There's no hint trace of it at all and that you can get a job that is not held against you moving forward. Because yeah, it, it's, you're marked for the rest of your life yeah. and you're not getting a job at, a, at most places. And it really cripples you in a lot of areas. So you're kind of like forced into entrepreneurship. It's kind of way I, I had to go because there's no way I was going to settle for anything else mm. that was offered. But uh, that would be it. Do, do you, like across the border, do you think there's some, like maybe like sexual offenses or things yeah. like that, that, that should not be wiped clean? Yeah. And then on top of that, I would make it, uh, I would give people the death penalty for child abuse right mm -hmm. out the gate. There's no, I, I don't care. You can come at me, dude, all you want on social media, whatever. Those people deserve to die, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. Uh, like child pedophile, stuff like that. Yeah, you, you rape a, a kid, a child, man. What's wrong with you, man? You, yeah. you, you're a scumbag. Uh, there's not, there, you're just a, a, a dirt bag all the way. And I don't have no remorse or no pity for you, but, um, yeah, they should kill those people right out the gate. I, I don't care. I say that, put it out there, but, uh, but yeah, the, it, you know, certain offenses, you know, like, you know, brutally murdering people and stuff like the people that are really screwed up, yeah. you know, the, you know, let's keep them away from society and stuff. But like for the, you know, for the guys that are, that make a lot of dumb choices when they're young and get involved with the wrong crowd, but really aren't bad people, they just make bad choices, give yeah. them a chance to, to, to turn that around. Oh, uh, okay. I, I, I can see that for sure. For sure. Okay, so let's. I want to switch the topic now to maybe more of the entrepreneurship side of things because I will say, like, dude, you bet you booked some big people and you've done some awesome stuff. The branding on your podcast has been phenomenal um, with everything. 
how did you like what was your like i know you got out of prison you didn't really have a choice but like what was your kind of end entrepreneurship how did you get into this whole game and why podcasting right on bro uh i could say the same about your podcast super dope and looking forward to get on this uh appreciate it yeah dude um i got in funny funny story i started off in network marketing uh, mm, the gateway drug to entrepreneurship. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> and at the time, bro, I didn't know what it was, so you couldn't scare me off the word pyramid scheme. I was that, in. And that's <laughs> the thing, dude. Same. The first ever one, I'll never forget. My buddy hit me up. He's like, bro, I know you're into this entrepreneurship stuff. I was like, heck yeah, I am. And he's like, come in. I want you to meet a buddy of mine. I was like, all right. And so we go and there's like 50, 60 people in the room. And he's like telling me about it. And this time I had like 5,000 followers on Instagram. So I was like, just getting started right and i was like oh my gosh this is gonna be amazing i'm gonna make all this money so i like i totally get it i had no idea (laughs) dude it sounds so familiar dude it it was uh it was amazing though dude and and even though i haven't done network marketing since the very end of 2016 i'm forever grateful for it though man because it taught me for one uh three key lessons i would say it introduced me to personal development yeah uh it, it, it showed me that I could create my life by design, however I want, and that my past doesn't matter. And it also showed me how not to network with people. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually probably really good. Those are probably three key takeaways that most network marketers that are no longer network marketers are. And to be fair, I, I want to say there are a few, there are fair good ones. far between, that are good companies and there are a few people that do it right. Like I have a couple friends that kill it with network marketing that do it really, really well. And, you know, I, I commend them for it. But like, I love making fun of network marketers. They are <laughs> so easy to make fun of. It's, and we love you. Don't get me wrong. Like you're awesome people. I'm not making fun of you, the person. I am heavily making fun of how you do things because it's just so funny. It's all wrong. Yeah. Um, but give credit where credit is due. The network marketing industry knows how to create customers better than like 95% of other industries out there, man. Like they kill it. Yeah. yeah, dude. I couldn't agree with you more. And I mean, it's like, it's like, um, you, you learn for the ones that are going through it, dude, you're, you're, you're learning a lot of valuable lessons, uh, yeah. going through that. But I mean, if you think about those, just like any industry, man, there's good and bad in every single industry it just so happens. Network marketing got a huge, bad red strike <laughs> on it because most of the companies don't do it right. But there are some good ones. And like you mentioned, there are some really stand up network marketing professionals out there as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you got into network marketing or got out of it, I guess. Yeah. Got out of that. Uh, and at the end of 2016, I was like, I want to do what Gary Vaynerchuk's doing. Like, <laughs> cause I was like, I was like, that's, that's like, that's my style. But I didn't he's the man, bro. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even watch none of his content anymore because I can't consume as much stuff as I used to, you know. But uh, he's still the man, definitely. But um, I didn't know anything about business. I had a little bit of two, year, two years worth of network marketing experience, but I didn't know anything about business, dude. And so I decided to, to become a life coach. And Josh, dude, I didn't make a single penny or help a single person as a life coach because I didn't know anything about marketing. I hadn't built up any type of skills yet as an entrepreneur. Uh, and I wasn't solving a specific problem for a specific type of person. And, and I, I might add that, um, you were a six time felon. So people might not have taken you seriously. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want this life. I don't want to go to prison. <laughs> Dude, I, I mean, can't go to prison. just throwing that out there. Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Dude. Uh, but, but continuing on, <laughs> that's a lot of insight. No wonder why that fell flat on its face. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, funny. Man. 
but uh, I, I did that, man. And I, I man, dude, for you know, this is beginning of 2017, all the way um, to when I launched a podcast. Dude, wasn't getting anything, and I started switching it to business coach, and I and I wasn't even making money. So I was like, it was like a big circle jerk. It was like, oh, it, but um, you know what though, man? Anytime I tried to uh, collaborate with anybody, uh, any entrepreneur, nobody took me seriously. I was literally that ex-convict turn entrepreneur afterthought that nobody gave the time of day to. And dude, I was heated. I was pissed, dude. I was like, dude, I get it. You know, everybody judges people. Like we're literally hardwired that way. Yeah. There's, it's impossible not to judge people. All right. I get it. Um, but I wasn't going to let that judgment keep me in this box, you know? And I was yeah. like, dude, dude, I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not this dude. Like I'm breaking out. And so out of that pain and out of that frustration, uh, I decided to launch the Underdog Empowerment Podcast nice. in April 2018. Uh, it's crazy because Third Day became a top-rated podcaster, and then the next week had Billy Gina's marketing on the show. So I literally went in a week's worth of time from nobody wanting to collaborate with me at all to interviewing celebrities and doing How? it consistently. How did you land Billy Jean on your show? Dude, I, I hit him up. Like, like that's the secret. The secret Slide into them DMs. Slide, shoot, shoot, them shoot. DMs <laughs> slide, slide into them DMs. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. And in this case, celebrity DMs, not hot chicks DMs. Right, right. Exactly. Uh, but you gotta look, you gotta approach it like uh like the hot chick. You know how, how you'd approach the hot chick DM. You're like, you're not just gonna shoot a, a weak shot. You're gonna like, okay, I'm gonna come at this, I'm gonna think about it uh, uh, from her perspective. Yeah, you know dudes coming at her all the time like this like how can i come at a unique angle that's going to appeal to her same thing with the with the celebrities dude i think i think you're uh, really on to something there and for all of you people that are like josh you're a you know a good christian boy blah 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 i am like i'm not in any way telling you to go hit on a bunch of hot chicks all right but but that being said i had my time and day when i was you know good at getting attention sliding uh, them dms yeah, i mean I was texting yeah whatever but like I think that if you approach that, like if you, that's an analogy that most people can understand, right? Like the re, people are asking me all the time, and I've always been a people person. Now people automatically assume that just because you're a people person, you're good at sales. Newsflash, that is not the case. But right. um, when it comes to people, like I've always been really good with people. And people ask me about that. I'm, they're like, how are you so good with people? How are you able to do this? How? And I'm like, because I go at it fully understanding that they also have intentions and that they're also human. And like, you know, the hot chick gets hit up by all the guys. And you know what? The celebrities get hit up by all the media. And the big time entrepreneurs get hit up by everybody that wants them to promote their thing or get attention or leverage them or whatever. And really, we're all human. And really, the only thing that we all want is like, there's an inherent, and you study influence and psychology and all that, like we all have a desire for material self-interest. Like we just do. We all want to be liked. We all want to feel good. And we all like want that desire to it. So when you come at it from that angle, like I'm sure Billy Jean gets set up all the time for podcasts, but I'm guessing the first DM you sent him wasn't, yo, dude, want to be on my podcast? Was <laughs> no, it? No. All right. Well, it, 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 you know, it's funny too. It, it, exactly, dude. It's it, it, you, you come at it like in, in your own way. You just, the best way to put it, man, is be real. Yeah. And, and, and figure out ways to offer them what's in it for them. That's always, yeah. you know, that's with any situation, literally that's the, that's the key to any type of relationship, even not even selling because everything is persuasion. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, and, and so always think about what's in it for the other person. How can this be helpful to them? Cause everybody, that's what anybody else cares about anyways. And, uh, and yeah, man. 
how, how, so like some of these people that, I mean, Billy Jean's one thing, but like you got Brad Lee, you got Alex Murr, Murr, is that his name? Alex Murr? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's funny. how do you and, even and, get in contact with those people? Like for like someone like me that has an audience and that, and I know you have an audience now, like m more so, but like, I'm very blessed because at a young age, I hit success early. And I mean, I hustled my face off working 18 hours a day for three years. Don't get me wrong. But like, I sometimes forget that I live in an alternate reality to a lot of people, right? Like I have the ability to like DM Russell Brunson, right? Like, you know what I mean? Right. Or like be homies with Steve Larson, you know, what I mean? like big names. But like Alex Murr just sold his company for $300 million, right? Yeah. Like that, that's not someone that's just going to reply to a text to anybody. How, how did you... Like, how do you get in touch with those people? How do you stand out and make yourself different? I literally, and, and, and now I am pitching, right? The first thing is a pitch and it's really short and sweet. I don't go over the top. Um, and I just mentioned, hey man, want to interview on my top rated podcast. Can we make it happen? Literally that simple. Hit them up on Instagram, get their emails from their websites, whatever. Just hustle around, figure out any point of contact that I could break through. A lot of times you're going to run into gatekeepers. That's cool too. Uh, a lot of times they're looking to get on podcasts, just really just shooting the shot. Yeah. And I think podcasting specifically is um, a hot topic right now, too. I think I, I, one of the most underrated things that's taught in entrepreneurship, and I'd love to know your thoughts on this, is writing trends. Um, not to take advantage of people's money, right? Like not to scam people or things like that. But like when there's a trend where the attention is going, people want to go that direction. And like I wrote the trend on Instagram. I am currently writing the trend as are you of podcasting. Now, I, I don't think you and I ha are going anywhere, right? And I think that's what makes us different, like is that we are writing this trend of podcasting. But when podcasting stops becoming cool, we're not going to stop podcasting, right? Like we're going to be around, we're creating a brand. And, and I like, dude, mad respect for what you've done with like, branding the socks and the backdrop. I mean, like I'm doing the same thing with, you know, like thinking like a marketer like that. But like for you finding those leverage points and writing up those trends, how much has that served you in getting to where you're at now? Bro, um, it's crazy. Uh, podcasting, dude, like I mentioned, dude, before podcasting nobody wanted to collaborate with me literally nobody didn't at a week after and then i started interviewing celebrities so think about that man relationships in my opinion is the third most valuable asset in life next to time and health i know of no anything better than relationships other than time and health mm. and so relationships was one of the hardest thing for me to build and when it comes to business dude relationships are ultra important dude and if you think about podcasting as Yes, of course, a way to document things and, and educate and entertain your audience and help them, but also as a networking tool, dude, it's, it's, dude, we're sitting, I don't think, I'm not sure if we, we would even come into contact if we didn't yeah. have podcasts, you know what I'm saying? So we're, we, we got this dope relationship now yeah. because of a podcast and it, dude, that's happened in so many other cases. And I know it's the same for you. So, and dude. I'm pretty sure, yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's plenty of, uh, business opportunities that have came from your podcast. You know what I mean? Oh, huge, huge. Yeah. And, and just the people that you get to meet, like the other day, we, uh, we just dropped an episode with a guy named David Finkel. No clue who this guy is, right? Like no social media presence. Like you'd never know you get on with him and, and someone that I interviewed on the podcast introduced me to him and was like, Hey, you should know this guy. I was like, all right, so we will interview him. Like whatever we don't, by the way, we don't release every interview that we do, right? Like we do, I do a lot of interviews that we don't release. This dude has scaled $62 billion in companies. 
62 wow. billion, dude. I'm like, it what the? With a B, not not <laughs> million would have been impressive. This is billion, right? This guy's yeah. a big time dude. No, you know, they, and he had a book coming out. So he's like, yeah, I'll get on your podcast with you. And now we're like, we're friends. And like, you know, we've emailed back and forth. And he's like been helping me with some business advice and stuff. And I'm like, that came through the relationship of the podcast. That came, and like so many relationships that I had were built when I was doing my Facebook groups, right? Like I wrote the Facebook group stuff and that was more of a trend for me. I mean, I actually kind of hopped off of it, but like, uh, like so many relationships are built there. And I love what you're saying with that is it's like when you're just intentional and you go out and use those, like you can get so much done. Yeah, dude. It's a, it's, it's, it's a game changer. 100% dude. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, I had a question there with that though, that I was going off with that, uh, podcasting, I can't remember what it was. So when it comes to what's, what's your vision though? I, I know you kind of briefly talked about this though with, uh, you know, kind of your vision to help, uh, felons and, and things like that. But like the underdog empowerment movement, which by the way, guys, if you're listening right now, we'll, we'll link his podcast down below and we'll talk about it here more at the end as well. But just real quick, where th- can they go find you with the underdog empowerment? Yeah, man. Uh, it's, pretty much on any podcast platform that you listen to podcasts to, but to make it really simple and easy for you, you can go to underdogempowerment.com and scroll down right to where it says subscribe to the podcast. And it gives you the option for iTunes, Spotify, Google play, Stitcher, Boom. whichever. Yeah. All right. So we'll link that down below and guys, check it out. And the number one thing that drives, uh, you know, ratings, rate, rating and review. So rating and review. Um, what's the goal with the podcast? Cause I think one of the things that I've been, uh, figuring out with think different theory, I mean, I'm 25 years old and I'm about to go take a four month world trip. So I have a feeling that once I get back from that, I might have a, a little bit broader perspective and, uh, you know, the world and, and kind of figure out what I want to do. But like, you know, there's podcasting, right? You can have a podcast and then there's a podcast that has a brand around it. I think, um, you know, you're, you're definitely doing something right with the brand and trying to build that up. Like what's the ultimate goal with the podcast and like, where do you see it in three years, five years, and then down the road? Absolutely, dude. And you're, you're doing the same thing. Like, crushing it with the think different theory and i love that's why i was really excited about uh getting on the show and when you asked me like hey can we redo the interview i was like of course i want to be on the show dude yeah yeah but but uh dude so i talk about it uh it's it's the most important thing that i that that i that i teach literally every single one of my clients that i've worked with yeah we get into all the ninja hacks about growing your monthly downloads organically by at least a thousand or more each month the, the monetizing of it, the getting celebrities, all that stuff, which is all cool and exciting. But the most important piece, bro, is what I call the four W's of long-term podcasting success. And that's knowing, and I'll just, I'm not even going to break it all the way down into yeah, yeah. It, it take a second, but knowing what is your podcast about? Who is it for? Where are you taking them on your podcast? And why should they listen to you? Mm. And if you get really clear on mm. those, those four metrics, bro, you can create something really special. So to answer your question, where do we take the underdog empowerment brand? It's going to be, it's the number one resource for underdog entrepreneurs to level up in their passive income business. Mm. And, and obviously the goal, I'm literally, if I'm, I'm looking to the right and I have my vision board and right there it has my logo, underdog empowerment, number one podcast and iTunes in the business category. Mm. Got to hit that, man. I know it's Gotta a lofty hit. goal, but that's uh, definitely, uh, I just, cause I believe in it so much, man. And I know there's so many people that can resonate with that underdog and we all feel like underdogs and we and we all are underdogs if you think about it anytime you're working on a new goal that you've never achieved before you're an underdog cuz yeah. you've never done it before you know when you first tried to walk you were an underdog cuz you never yeah. walked before and you fell over and over so it's it's like man who's to say that you can't have something that you want when everybody's like oh no, there's no way you're going to make that happen so i feel like everybody can resonate with that 
Hmm. That's super, super cool. And like having the direction, I mean, that that's so that marketing as well. Like the direction of like, you got to take people on this journey, right? Like this is where we're going. This is where we're headed. And like, I would imagine even more so with the underdogs because I feel like, you know, they just, a lot of underdog people just relate to each other. But like, how have you seen like the support of the people that follow you grow as you've grown and gotten more clear on that? It's been crazy, like legit. Like, so before I finally, uh, I I used to fake and be an imposter. And what I mean by that is, I used to walk around in suits all the time and I'm not knocking you for walking around in suits all the time, but me, I don't belong in a damn suit, bro. Yeah. Oh, that's not my, that's not my style. And, um, and I would act like I was positive all the time on social media and I never would cuss and I would, and that's not me, man. Like, it, like, dude, I'm like, I got just like everybody does. We all have these dark thoughts, emotions, and desires. We all have a dark side and it's all about using that dark side to do good things with. Mm. Uh, it's the people that act like they don't have a dark side, so you got to really watch out for. It. But um, dude, um, when I stopped faking and acting like you know I was like positive all the time, and I just started being myself, I'm like, dude, no, I get, I get pissed when people count me out, and I'm like, dude, I'm I'm coming forward, I'm coming to dominate, like and like and like we're doing this, or nothing. You can, like, and when I started like just being real and really speaking my thoughts, not trying to be uh, polarizing to be polarizing, but ended up being polarizing sometimes just because I was speaking on stuff that I really believed in. Yeah. Um, that's when like the, the started really having a tight knit, uh, audience, people that started following me consistently and that resonated people that, you know, feel and believe in the same way. Yeah. I think that's super important because like you do create that brand, that identity, that, and, and that vulnerability is speaks so much, right? Like people need to see the complete picture in order to completely buy in. You know what I mean? Like, um, if they only see the good, they're going to be really bought in when things are good. But if you never show them the bad, then when all of a sudden the bad really comes, which it will, it always does for everybody ever, right? Then, you know, people aren't going to buy into that because you haven't shown them that that side of you, you know? And so like, I feel like when you're creating this brand and when you're creating content, when you're, you're building an audience, like, you've got to show all sides, which is, I mean, I try to do that as well. I mean, I try to share my mistakes, my wins, my losses, what I'm going through, because I want people to buy into this complete picture of, of the brand. And I think that, you know, in the, I mean, I haven't known you for that long, but since I've been following you, I feel like you do that really well. Like you're someone that like you put out all sides with stuff, by the way, that, I mean, I don't agree with everything you say, and I wouldn't expect you to agree with everything I say, but like, you know, at the same time, I'm like, all right, I know what I'm getting. When I, you know, listen to to Zach, right? Like I know, do you go by Zach or Zachary primarily? Uh, I, I mean, everybody calls me Zach. I branded myself technically as Zachary or whatever. So if you want to rank up on my on my name on iTunes, whenever you do it, you do Zachary. But all right, Zach. So, so Zach, like, like you, I know what I'm getting, right? And right. and and I, there's no BS, there's no fluff. It's like, all right, I, I know what I'm going here, and I think that and. and I kind of want to transition this topic because I'm dying to know your thoughts on this. Um, I think that that's why people like Trump. And I, I, I um, you know, I just did, I just did a, an interview with someone uh, two hours long, a woman who you might know her, Julie Stoyan, uh, she's a big marketer, um, who is anti-Trump, right? Like she doesn't like Trump. And, you know, the big argument that she put out there was, and, and I feel like this is for most people that don't like Trump is like, 
his character, right? And I'm like, I love his character, I, dude. Not I, all everything about it, but I love his character. So, so, so like, I, I disagree with Trump from a moral perspective in a lot of areas. I disagree with his character in a lot of ways, and you know, we can differ. That's fine. But my point back is like, I don't think anybody that voted for him thought he was an angel. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I think the reason, and not to, you know, necessarily, like, analyze Trump or why he won or whatever, but, like, I think that why people like Donald Trump as much as they do and equally hate him as much as they do is that the people that love Donald Trump, they're like, we know what we're going to get with Donald Trump. We know that he's going to be crazy. We know that he's going to say unexpected things. We know he's not going to take crap from everyone. We know he's going to tell reporters that they're fake news. We know he's going to get stuff done. Right. Like, and when you, you do that and people can be like, well, you don't know what you're going to get with him. He's crazy. He'll just say anything. You're like, exactly. And we know that, right? Like, you know what you're getting when you go into that. And so, um, I, you know, I think that that's, that's really, really big, but in transitioning there, I'm curious to know your thoughts on Trump and his political dealings with everything. Like, do you like Trump? Do you not like, well, I guess clearly you like Trump, but like, <laughs> but do you like Trump? Do you not like Trump? What do you like, not like about him? And why do you think people have such an issue with him? I got the underdog hat on right now. If I could reach it, I'd put the put the mega hat on. But uh, uh but dude, so it's funny. Yesterday, uh, I was I was uh, joking with my boys. And I was like, "Yeah, your dad used to be a monster, a beast, dude. Way bigger than what I am now. That's why I've been in the gym working so hard, trying to get back to it. They're asking me why do I always work out or whatever because we went to the gym, and um, and they're like, "Can you show me a picture?" So I'm scrolling through my Facebook, you know, trying to pull up pictures from when they were first born five years ago. And as I'm scrolling through, I see my Trump post. It's literally on my Facebook on August 3rd of 2016, right before he got elected. And I made a prediction. And I said, not only do I support Trump, I think he's going to go down as the greatest president in history when it's all said and done with. And the reason why I said that is because at the time, dude, our, the, one of our biggest, biggest struggles was our economy. And there has never been a president in office besides Trump that is understand money the way that he does. He's an entrepreneur. We needed like that entrepreneur leader in office. And it was something completely different. I was all for it. I'm like, hell yes, dude. Uh, I love his personality. Be frank, dude. I love dude. Cause I, I get like that way too, dude. I'll tell people like, if I don't agree with like not being a, a um, not being a, a, a douchebag or anything, but if like there's somebody like, let's be for real, man, life is war, bro. Like it really is like you, there's, you want to collaborate and, and work with people. But like when it comes down to it, man, when push comes to shove, if it's like, if it's you die or they die, like, man, what's going to happen? You're going to protect yourself or your family and stuff. So I love that mentality, that alpha, like, Hey, I got to go make it happen. This is our country. We need something that, cause right now we've, the, the president before we've been put ourselves in such a steep hole, dude, it, 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 like it, we could literally probably have like, a four-hour conversation about this. So I don't no. want to get too deep. <laughs> <You know>. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, to to sum it up, though, man, I I I don't love everything that he does because sometimes I'm like, yeah, it's kind of crazy, <laughs> you know, or whatnot. But I like his boldness. I like his vision, and I like his uh, aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. I think it's definitely what we needed. Yeah, I would say this about Trump, and you know, I've been pretty vocal in my support of him, um, not his character, and always, but you know, him, him, his policy specifically. I think that you know, people that don't like Trump, I don't think they understand maybe what Trump has allowed them to do as well, because I think that 
like I'm a huge supporter of both sides of the aisle. I believe that diversity and the the discussion of ideas is very, very important. And there's very, very few ideas upon which I will not like be like, yeah, I'll see the other side on that. Like murder is wrong, right? Like that's not an idea that I'm going to discuss. But you know, there are 95% of other ideas that are not black and like, like, you know, killing someone. And I think that that's the cornerstone of society. I think what Trump did was Trump took a society that was so turned off to politics, they didn't care to vote. They just thought they had no choice. They thought they had no say. And literally walked in and shook up this political system, blew the top off of it, realized like, like, yeah, Trump is corrupt. There's no question about that, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's done some stuff in, in his business dealings that- Everybody's corrupt though, bro. Right, right, exactly. And so what I'm saying is, yes, we can choose to alienate him and yell at him and scream at him. And yep, you made $100,000 a year. He made a billion, right? So like, <laughs> yep, he's, his problems are- literally, you know, a hundred thousand times bigger, right? Not just like hype that like they're literally that much bigger. So yeah. like it's gonna be that much more amplified. But what he did was he gave like he woke up society to these problems and he stirred the pot and he brought to the top all this crap that we weren't dealing with. We wanted to be like, oh hunky dory and like Trump can sit there and be like, oh yeah, whatever's not a thing when okay, yeah, Trump, you can say that, but clearly some of the stuff that he says is like, eh, I mean, yeah, that, that is still a problem. Like, you know, he can say, I don't know if he's ever said this, so don't quote me, but he could be like, racism isn't a thing. And I'm like, I'm not going to say Trump is a racist, but I am going to say that, no, there is still definitely racism in, in the United On both sides. Right? On, On both and sides. It, and it's not just, it's not just, uh, whites being racist against black it's blacks being against racist against white it's on every spectrum in every race and every culture exactly exactly but he's brought that to light and now we can go oh i guess america wasn't so hunky-dory right like he's making it great again in the sense of we're having conversations that matter and while i do think that he is going to get reelected, i think that there is nothing that would lead me to believe that it is not going to be an absolute landslide provided the economy holds up. Like if the economy holds up, like I just don't think the Democrats have a shot. I believe that, and call you're, me crazy here. You're not here, feeling the burn? I'm not, well, I'm certainly not feeling the burn. Like he would destroy <laughs> Thank God. But, but, um, but I mean, I, I voted for Trump. I love Trump. I mean, like I'll vote for yeah. him again. But I think the Democrats did this to themselves. Like I was watching, I'm sure you know Ben Shapiro. Um, yeah, dude's a beast. Uh, he's a beast, right? Um, but he said something that makes, he's 100% right. He's like, literally the only thing the Democrats had to do to win the 2020 election is not be insane. Mm-hmm. And they're not doing that. Like they're insane. Like, you Socialism. know what I mean? Like, right. The, the, the ideas that they are proposing Socialism. Are, not, are not cool, right? Like <laughs> I know a lot of Republicans, a lot of people that do not like Trump, right? But when they're, the alternative to Trump is, let me tax you at 70%. What? Let me, let me, you know, you know, let me go and let's install universal basic income. Let's go. I mean, just do like crazy, insane things and, and say crazy things and try to attack Trump. You're not going to beat Trump by attacking him. It's impossible. Right. He doesn't right. care. Right. And so when you look at that, you go, no, if you want to beat Trump and Democrats, if you're listening, please like, Take my advice if you want to win. I mean, don't because I don't want you to win. But like, hey, like, listen to me here. Like, if you want to beat Trump, you don't play Trump at his own game. You can't beat him. He's the nah. best. He doesn't yeah. give a single. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really a swear, but like, he doesn't care. 
how you beat him is you play the card of being caring and articulate and you go, you know, you go through and you present ideas that are going to unite us and go through and, and they're not doing that. Right. And so for me, I look at Trump and I go, if you're a Democrat right now, sucks to be you because your, your party's terrible. Like they don't know how to market. They don't know how to win elections right now. I'm not calling you a bad person. I don't think Democrats are evil people. Like, I don't think any of that. I do think that you're going to lose the election and I don't think it's going to be close, but maybe I could be wrong. And I think Bernie Sanders is definitely evil with a socialism idea. But <laughs> I, I don't think Bernie Sanders is inherently evil. I don't think he's an evil person. I think that some of his ideas breed ideas that are less than ideal and could lead to evil acts. But I think that that's a dangerous road to go down calling someone evil. But all that being said, <laughs> I, I, I think that Trump, was absolutely the best possible thing that could have happened to American society because he woke people up, because he stirred the pot, because he made people realize, holy we've got issues in our political system. We've got to go fix these things. I don't agree with everything Trump has done, but on the places that matter, and I've said this over and over and over again, and I apologize, I'm talking a lot here, but uh, in order for you to have a country, you know what three things you need? You need a border, you need an economy, and you and need a middle military, class. And you need, well, I was, yeah, middle class, but I was going to say a military defense against foreign invasion. Yep. You know what Trump has done? Boom, the economy is in the process of, I don't, I mean, like, look at the facts. I, I've seen people down at the border. Even Julie, who doesn't like Trump, has said, we need a border. Okay. He's secure, helped secure the border, and he's increased the military and, and made the military proud to be military again. So I look at that and I go, Let's debate the social issues. You can debate the social issues in four years when Trump's out of office. He's not a king, right? Like he's not going to be there for the rest of your life. It's four years or eight years. Deal with it. We dealt with eight years of Obama's crap. You can oh, deal with, with one with of the worst presidents of all time, which I didn't like Obama, but I think we need to respect him. And I'm going to give, I, I didn't, I didn't say he wasn't my president. Right. I didn't exactly. go around saying that. Exactly. And I, <laughs> I think still supported him. Right. And I want like, He's the, he was the leader of our ship. I didn't agree with everything that he did, but I didn't wish his demise, right? And I will give credit where credit is due for those of you that think I can't say one bad thing about the Republican Party or, or anything like that or one good thing about Democrats or Obama. I think Obama, from a character perspective, as far as the type of person that he was as president, was one of the most president-type people that you would expect. He was very politically correct, whether you agree with that or not. Like, what I'm saying is, is like, he, he did play the part very well. Trump, on the other hand, is the exact opposite of that. He's probably the least uh, political or uh, uh, presidential type person that you'd expect. And I love the guy. So you know what I mean? Like there's, there's pros and cons to both. And I, but I think that we in society need to have a conversation about real issues and just go, you know what? Hey, you don't have to agree with this person, but he's your president, right? Mm -hmm. Like respect him. Like just like, and, and I... I don't, I'm not going to vote for a Democrat, but Zach, between you and I, <laughs> I can't wait for a Democrat to get back in office because I know that it's not going to be Republicans for the rest of my life. You know why I can't wait for a Democrat to be back in office? Because I cannot wait to make a post on Facebook that says, that's my president. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to vote for the guy I'm pro or girl or lady, you know, who, who gets in there. I'm not, I'm probably not going to vote for him or support him. But the second they become president, they're my president. And I'm going to hope that they win. And I, if, you know, if you're, for more spending and for things, I'm going to call you out on those things. I'm going to differentiate myself, but you're still my president because I'm still a United States citizen. Exactly. Exactly. That's it. And the, 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 where it's at now, dude, 
Like it's ridiculous, dude. And you know what, dude, I, dude, I hope this gets out and I hope this really offends some people because I feel like this message really needs to be spread. But dude, the way society is, is rigged right now, it's rigged and, and it's, and it's, and it's dude. Uh, and sorry for cut. Cause I know you don't cut. No, you're, no, you're good. No, you're, uh, but, but dude, the way society is positioned right now is that if you're a white male, you're a bad person. So if you think about it, it's almost worse being a white male than it is black male. It's like you're you're the underprivileged person at this point as far as like society and what's cool or whatnot. Right. Anytime you're a white person, dude, like it's like you're a bad dude. Like look at it. Look at how 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 the, the I don't even watch TV, but I I I, I kind of uh, when I when I when I watch football or all that like it, it, it and so like when Trump came in, like everything like, oh, he's racist. What has he done that's been racist, bro? Name one thing. What, what, how, how, what, what, is it just because he's white that you're saying he's racist? Like, let's be for real. What racist thing has he ever done? There's literally nothing that you can come up with. You know? I mean, well, well, and I'm not here to, you know, try to cause a debate and an argument about that. I don't believe that Trump is a racist person, but I believe that Trump has done racist type acts that, would lead people to believe that he has in not let's be let's be for real too though everybody has because let's get to the deep root cause of this let's be for real everybody you want to call it racist is a bad thing like when you're doing like like uh, adolf hitler but everybody is going to identify with other people that are like them with like, with their own kind yeah. that's in every single human being anybody that yeah. says that they don't is a liar yeah they're no, lying they're yeah. straight up lying and so Everybody has to an extent. Let's be for real. But does that make you a racist person and a hateful person? No, dude. Like, dude, uh, I know this is like a really touchy subject, but I don't care, dude. I speak my mind on this stuff. No, like, no, dude, this was for. But, but dude, it's like, let's be for real. Let's quit whining about stuff and let's quit like the, the stuff like the stuff like, oh, he's racist because blah, blah, blah. That's what causes the race, racial, racial tension. That's what's keeping down. It's when you could say like, dude, like let's not let's not try and point fingers and try and point the race card. Let's just figure out on and focus on solutions instead of focusing on, oh, he did something that he's he's racist or he's privileged or he's underprivileged. Like until you stop looking at it in those terms, it's always going to be a problem. It's always going to raise more issues. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And I think that you know perspective is everything too. There was an analogy that you know someone told me one time that I think was really interesting. And you say, you know, we go back to, we all have our inherent instincts as humans, right? We all want to be safe and we all have, based on where we grew up, our perception of what is safe and not safe and to stick with our own kind. And it, there was a perfect example that someone said, it's like, imagine there's a road and there's like, there's th three, three paths you can walk down, right? And the first one you're walking down, you have your, your young kid with you. Right. And the first one you're, you're going down and you see like, uh, you know, a Hispanic or, you know, a Mexican, a minority of some sort. Right. Uh, that is clearly like not well off, like they're poor. Um, then they're, they're walking towards you. They're coming towards you. Maybe they've got ripped up clothes. Maybe they look like they're shot up on drugs or, you know, something like that. Maybe not super threatening. They don't have a gun or a weapon, but, uh, you know, that you're probably going to walk across the street and go with your, you know, your young child. You're going to go to the place where that person's not there. Right. But then if you get to the other side of the street and there's just a big, huge, muscular black dude that just looks like he could just mess you up, right? Like, you're probably going to be like, whoa, 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 not going to go there. So you're going to go to you know, the next one over, right? Because you, you immediately form an opinion. Everybody right, does you, that. All right, you immediately form an opinion. And then you go to the, the, the last one there and there's a white dude. 
And this white dude is covered in tattoos, which the white male, right? Covered in tattoos. He's on the phone. He's cussing. He's swearing or whatever, this, that, and the other. Guess what you're probably going to do? Probably going to go back to one of the other two streets, right? Why? Because you want, like, you have a tendency to, to, to go to the place where there's least fear in your mind. Now, right. is it right for any one of you to assume or judge any one of those three people based on just looks or the color of their skin or what they're saying? No, it's not right for you. And, and one could be like, well, yeah, if it was just a white dude and he wasn't cussing and didn't have tattoos, you probably wouldn't do that. And I'm like, May, maybe so. But the fact of the matter is, we all are going to go to the place where we feel the most safe, especially when we have our kids around, especially when we have people that we love around, we're going to go protect them. And so if society as a whole has told us that, you know, we have a reason to be scared of these people, then, you know, we're going to have that thing. And unfortunately we have, like we've been told that now that, yeah. now, hold on, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not, but that being said, what I'm not saying is that we need to always buy into those stereotypes and that we, that we need to um, like force that agenda because we act one way and are going to protect our kids based on what we know doesn't make us a bad person. And just because I might be, or, or someone might be a little nervous because uh, someone of color or someone of, you know, covered in tattoos or someone that looks like they're on drugs, we're going to react a certain way that we are told to doesn't make us a racist, doesn't make us something that this, but society as a whole has told us, Hey, be scared of black people. What are you talking about? There's, there's no reason to. So we're going to act out of nature, but that doesn't make us a racist. So we do, we do need to change the narrative, but we need to face the problem as a whole rather than look at a singular act that someone has done and be like, you're a racist because you walked across the street when a black person or a Mexican or a guy in tattoos was walking down the street towards you. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. And I'm agreeing with a lot of it too. And I would almost say like, yeah, a lot of it's conditioning, and but you think about it, man, it's the fear of the unknown that all of us have, you know right. what I'm saying? And so that's why you automatically gravitate to people of your own kind of stuff that's more familiar and that you right. know. It's a natural, it's literally how every human being is hardwired. So anybody right. says they're not, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah, you're wired that way. There, bro. There's no there's no way of getting around that psychology right there. Right. So, but also, man, think about it, man. It's like, and to give give some examples of what I'm saying, because I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a lot of people coming at me and I'm, I'm ready for it. I, I, I thrive off this stuff because I feel like it's such a, a, a key. I feel like, man, dude, I feel like so many people are not speaking their mind on it. They're like, all right, so for instance, what's that? Was it in, I can't remember. It was in basketball or football or something. The owner got like, he, he did something, said something racist or whatnot. And, uh, and it was a big uproar. And then like he got his ownership taken away. I might be wrong, but was it like the Carolina Panthers? No, that happened. I, 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 I want to say, I don't think he got his ownership taken away, but I think maybe he got something. I think it was Jim Ursay of the Colts. Jim Ursay of the Colts. And then there was something else that happened in, 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 in basketball too. And like, that's why Adam Silver became like the commissioner or something. Maybe so. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. Remember all the, the players were like, Hey, these, 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 these owners are racist or whatnot and stuff. And I get it. And if they're doing stuff like that, yeah, that's some scumbag, you know, call them out on it. But dude, didn't, didn't Antonio Brown just call Mike Mayock a cracker? And what's the, where's the uproar about that? What I mean, is that is that okay for for Antonio Brown? Is because he's Antonio Brown because he's black and Mike Mayock's white from to call him a cracker? Isn't that isn't that right or wrong? So so the argument on on that, which I disagree with, but I'm just going to present the the alternate argument to that was to say that well, yeah, but black people never owned white people as slaves. That's a 
actually white people were oppressed before you want to go into history go deep into it white people were oppressed before like dude Iraqi, like, I don't know, the uh, Israelis, dude, they were like one of the most oppressive. Like, if you go through it, it's been throughout the, not saying it's right or wrong, it's been through way before, though, black people were uh, being brought over here and, and all that wrong. And, and slavery is a horrible thing. But racism on any side and making comments like that is bad. But it's only a bad thing when a white person says something about a black person in, in today's society. And that's wrong in, in and of itself. Yeah. That, yeah. Dude. There's been other counts, uh, dude. It's 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 hard to hard to remember. But there's been so many of them that you can bring up. We're like, yeah, well, that happened. But how come that's not a big issue or big deal? Forget that, dude. It's an issue. Period. Anytime that you're you're doing yeah. that, it's causing a divide. So it should be called out on both ends. It should be it's called not out a, on both ends. It's not okay. So so black people just call walk around like these crackers, these honkies, or whatever, and treat them all sorts of type of different way. But anytime, if a white person like looks at him, we feel, oh, he's racist or something, make a big deal. Like, what kind of society would we live in if if, if it's like that? Yeah. It's, not, it's not cool, right? No, not at all. And and I want to go back to and finish the analogy that I was talking about specifically with the the streets, with what you said about people coming on, like r- relating or or getting around people that are like them. So there's that aspect of things, but there's a second part part to that story. Guess what? If a black person was walking down the street and they came across a white person and they saw them and they were well-dressed or whatnot or whatever you want to say, like they looked threatening to them. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to walk across the street. And then exactly. if they come, come across a Mexican person, that looks like they're shot up on drugs or, and, and I'm not singling out Mexicans. I'm just saying minority, like don't, people don't take my words out of context here. <laughs> um, but like, you know, they come across that, then they're probably going to go. But then if that black person also gets to the far side of the street and there's a black person that's all super jacked up and looks like they go mess them up and it's cussing and screaming on the phone, guess what they're going to do? They're probably going to go back to the, one of the original streets where the other people were. And so it's like, to your point, we naturally gravitate towards people that we can relate to best. And that is going to put us in the least amount of danger and fear. And so while it's terrible that people say racist things, we also have to remember that like never before in history have we been as connected as we are. And do we see the negative side of things? Guess what spreads on social media? Negativity, drama, all that crap. That's what gets clicks. It what gets attention. It's what brings the headlines. There is equally the amount of good of black and white people getting you know along just fine, and, and minority exactly. people along. don't point that. Shit, though. And they exactly. don't. And, and and like everyone says, Josh, the stupidest thing you can possibly say, and to say that you're not racist is, oh, well, I have a black friend. Well, guess what, people? Like one of my closest homies ever. Like literally top three best friends. Like my, I would die for this dude is a black dude. His name is Micah, right? Like I would like, he's my homie. Right. And I would do anything for that dude. And so like, like you look at that and you go, does racism exist? Yeah, absolutely. Do even I, someone like me act in such a way when the, the unknown or what is not familiar to me is there that could be interpreted as, as racist. Yes. If I'm around a bunch of black people in a, in a negative uh, uh, environment like, or, or like a, the, the slums or something like that, and I'm not trying to play on stereotypes, but I'm just giving a context. Am I, is my guard going to be a little bit more up in defense? Yes. And that could be a, a determined as racist. But equally, if I was in the slums of a bunch of white people, I would do the exact same thing. Same right? thing. And, and so like, and people be like, well, you, you know, you would, you wouldn't be as guarded or whatever. I was like, maybe not because they're my, like, I understand that's familiar to me, right? Like, yeah, 
it anytime is. you've traveled to this place you've never been before, haven't you been on guard? Right, exactly. Like, hey, I don't, I, I don't like, know this environment. I don't know these people. I'm, I'm going to watch my ass because I don't want to get killed. You right, know? and I think that when it comes to that, though, like, there is a different mentality among black people, white people, Asian, Hispanic, Chinese, Indian. Like, it's a different mentality. We're all people. We're all human. But to go and be like, hey, is the vibe with a bunch of black dudes, and I, I'm, I'm, this conversation I'm going to get crucified for, I just know. <laughs> is, the, is, the, is the vibe with a bunch of black dudes the exact same as a vibe with a bunch of Chinese dudes, the exact same as a vibe with a bunch of white dudes, the exact same with a uh, vibe with a bunch of uh, Chinese, uh, Hispanic dudes. No, and everybody's different. The, it's a, a totally different environment. It's a totally yeah, different The feeling. cultures are completely different, every single one of those. Exactly. And while we're all equal human beings and we should treat people with respect, what I'm saying is you're going to act differently around large groups of people in certain areas. Be stereotypes exist for a reason. Now, let me clarify that statement by saying, I am not saying that stereotypes are true always, but I am saying that the only reason that stereotypes exist, whether or not they're true or not, the reason that they exist is because there are differences, right? So whether a stereotype is true or not, the only reason, the fact that that reason exists is because there's a difference some way, somehow. And so for people to go and be like, well, you treated this person this way. I didn't like, I remember the first time, like I really, really ticked off, uh, you know, someone of, of color when I made a comment and it wasn't the N word or anything like that, but it was just this comment. No, had no clue that this would tick them off, right? Like no clue. It was a jo joke about something. I don't even remember what it was, but I remember sitting there and he was pissed and I was like, what did I say? And so like, every time I was around him, I like would like be afraid that I was going to say something to piss him off. Not that I was afraid of them, but I was just afraid that I was going to tick them off on accident because it was a different culture, right? It was a different mm -hmm. way. And so I'm like, we're now living in America, which I would argue is probably the most diverse culture, but diverse nation in the world, right? The melting pot, especially if you go to like New York City, right? Like, so you get that, you're going to piss somebody off. You're going to do something that comes across as racist. People have called me anti-blah, 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 blah. And like, I've said things that make people think I'm not a gun lover, that, oh, you're anti-gun. What, are you kidding me? Like, I'm the most pro-gun Second Amendment person, but people have called me anti-gun for comments that I have made. It's ridiculous, right? People have called me racist. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's not a racist, I don't give a what color your skin is. I just don't. It's the most ridiculous thing. Am I going to act differently around different colors of people or different types of people? Probably because it's Absolutely. unknown. Right. But like, that doesn't make me a racist. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, dude, you, you get around it. Let's just, let's just keep it. Let's say you're around all white people and you get around like some, some entrepreneurs they are all white. Right. And they're all building a business and they're all growing and stuff. You're going to act a certain way around them. Right. You're going to, cause, cause you're going to fall into the group uh, what's it called in psychology? Uh, Robert Greene talks about the it. The her herd mentality. Yeah, like it, it, it happens, dude. You're going to be influenced by the group, all right. And yeah. and same thing if you're around a bunch of white trash, dr uh, uh, drinking, drugging, like people or whatever, you're going to act a certain different way and beyond. It's 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 it doesn't matter about a specific uh, color or gender. It's just like the group as a whole. So that's just how human psychology is. Uh, but yeah, man, it's crazy, man. It's uh. It's I, we we went down quite a rabbit hole, didn't we? We really did. <laughs> Holy moly! But this is a topic that I haven't talked about yet. I'm thinking different there, and I, and I guess this is a good way to, to kind of burst it open with that. Is like, guys, like, yeah, racism's a thing, and it's on both sides, and, and it shouldn't and, be, and it is, and it sucks, and it is on both sides. In in the history of the United States of America, have black people been far more oppressed than white people? Of course, absolutely. Do I in any way even remotely support slavery or any form of unequal rights? 
No. Absolutely not. However, the the absolute blown out of proportionness that we, we tend to in America take one example and then blow it up to the extreme when if you go to for sure the Midwest where, where people say that a lot of racism takes place, right? You go there. I, I don't experience like it's a totally different narrative than what we're told the narrative is. And I think that when you go and you stop watching the media and you stop listening to politics, listen, I don't follow politics all that closely. I don't think you should be listening to Trump every day. You pro anybody that you listen to that closely every single day would drive you insane. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, like my, like you choose one person to be with for the rest of your life. And that's the biggest decision because they're going to be with you for the rest of your life. Right? So like you shouldn't listen to anybody that closely when you get out of the context of the political realm and the debate that's there. I think that you find that humans as a as a general rule across the board are a lot more loving, a lot more understanding and a lot more together than I think we realize. And yes, there's exceptions to the rules. Yes. There's pieces of crap out there that are racist, but as a general rule, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, 100%. So, all right, man. Well, what a topic. We've, we've already gone over, and I have a meeting coming up here shortly, so I do need to wrap it up. Um, before we move on to rapid-fire questions, though, any last thoughts from you that you want to, to, to talk about or just share uh, with, the, with the audience? Nah, man. That was, uh, that was pretty good. That was crazy. We went down a rabbit hole. The way we really did. I, I love it. Um, okay, real quick before we get to that, uh, where can people find you? I know we plugged it before. We're going to plug it again underdogempowerment.com come check out the podcast love to see you over there thanks for uh let me plug that josh absolutely man underdogempowerment.com guys go check it out leave a rating and a review and i would even go so far to say is like listen guys i know that not everybody listens to everybody else's podcast but leaving a rating and review is not going to kill you all right just to just <laughs> say them so um let's move to rapid fire questions dude uh do you fly a lot yeah what's this your favorite airline Favorite airline? Ah, uh, man, I can't stand so. I like I like United whenever you're uh, whenever they got the three rows of three or whatever you know. Yeah. And it's like you got the extra space and the TV on the back, so they're pretty cool. Yeah, United, United. Uh, I can't. I think you said you can't stand Southwest. I, I I don't get it, man. Like their customer service is great. They're always friendly, but who thought it was a good idea to have open seating on a plane? Yeah, that's the that's the only thing, bro. Like I it, I won't it. fly if them. Had, if they had assigned seating, like everything would be bombed. Dude. I, I would fly them all the time if they had assigned seating and first class. And I don't fly first class all the time, but like, I don't get it. Like, yeah, you can pay the early bird to be the first one on the plane or whatever, but I'm like, just let me pick my freaking seat. Then I don't have to set my alarm 24 hours beforehand and wake up at three o'clock in the freaking morning to check in. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, bucket list item that you want to do. Ooh, uh, man. Um, definitely the 9% recidivism rate or lower nationwide would probably be the biggest one. Mm, that, that's going to be a best project, man. I, I commend you for that. Uh, dream car. Uh, I'm going to go with the proverbial Lambo. Uh, I'm telling you what, man, there's just <laughs> something about it. <laughs> I love those Lamborghinis. All right, man. Uh, last question I got for you. And this is a question we ask everyone. I've asked it for you before since you've been on here, but I'll ask it again. Um, fast forward to the end of your life. You're on your deathbed. You get to leave the world with fi one final message because everybody that you've influenced or touched, all your fame, success, it's all gone. But everybody that you've touched either directly or indirectly, you get to leave them with one final message. Word of wisdom. What would that be? Man, that's a really tough question. It'd probably definitely be different by the time that time comes because a lot more wisdom happens in between then. But right now, 
literally you are in control of everything of your life. Even mm. other stuff that you can't control, you always are in control because you always had the power on how you decide to respond to every single situation that happens. And so if you focus on your response to situations, you can uh, dictate the outcomes. Amen. I love it, brother. Zach or Zachary, I appreciate you coming on here, my man, uh, on to Think Different Theory. Guys, go check him out. Underdog Empowerment. Appreciate you coming on, my dude. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because that's what free thinkers do. And we as free thinkers are going to be the ones to change the world. We're going to be the ones that create our own lives. We're going to be the ones that make a positive impact in the world. We think different. We do it different. That's what a free thinker is. As always, or I guess I just said that. I love you all, and I will see you on the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Yo, what's up, guys? You've been listening to the Think Different Theory with myself, Josh Forty, which I like to call a new paradigm of thinking. And real quick, I got a question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I want to ask a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message of positivity and making the world a better place is if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this is out on, that you like my stuff, and that I'm doing something right. So if you could take like three seconds out of your day and subscribe, leave a rating and a review, I would be forever grateful for you. Also, I want to hear from you. I want to know your feedback, your ideas and your questions for future episodes. So be sure to hit me up on Instagram in the DM at Josh 40 or via email contact at thinkdifferenttheory.com.